Okay, before we look at Psalm 37, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you are with us and that you love us and are for us. Um, and pray that we would be still and listen and receive guidance and wisdom and care from you through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So today is New Year's Day, where we very rightly think about maybe, maybe some things that we want to change in our lives. And maybe, just maybe, we actually act on some of them. One of the things I'm sure many people would, would wish would change in their life is worry and anxiety. And unfortunately, many, many of us found that anxiety can't just be turned off. Can't just, you just can't just flip a switch and, and turn it off. And it's because many of the evils that we fear in the world are real. And they're, and they're out there, and they're not, they're not always things that we can do a lot about right away. And so the question I would ask here that I think the text talks about today is, is what can we do or what, can, what does God do <laughs> to protect our souls from being overcome by anxiety or outrage? And Psalm 37 begins with this instruction, do not fret. And so this, ins- this psalm instructs us instead of fretting, which I'll explain, <laughs> um, instead to trust in God. Trust his love and his wisdom and his power in your life. And it's by his presence and power in your life that you can overcome evil with good. And at this point, I'd actually, if you want, you can take your pen or pencil and you can scratch out that title in your notes of Blessed Are the Meek, and you can write in there instead, Overcome Evil with Good. (laughs) Because I have a little different emphasis on this than when I gave it for printing. So, all right, so uh, Psalm 37, beginning verse 1 and 2. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So this is speaking about what's going on in our hearts, the condition of our hearts, and it says fret not. And fretting (laughs) is is describing a condition of your heart of of chronic ongoing stress or anxiety uh, to be incensed to be outraged and and it's constantly it's this outrage and anxiety that's just being stirred up all the time non-stop it feels like it's just ready to to boil over any moment and there's many evils in this world that can cause us anxiety or outrage i mean you you know them all but i'm going to say some here you know wars famines persecutions political corruption Swindlers and cheats and liars and fraud and, and or groups out there just looking for trouble, to cause trouble. And thanks now to the internet and mainstream media, we are all aware of more of the troubles out there in the world than ever before. And every day brings another story. You know, we, every day you could ask, well, did you hear what this politician did, what this what that school board did, what that cop did, what that gang did in that city. You could, any day, you, you could do this. And this scripture here talks, says two things in verse 1. It says, fret not and do not be envious 
of them. Don't envy the wrongdoers. And that's an important thing to, to tell ourselves, to tell people. Do not envy the wrongdoers. Don't envy their power or their glory or what they seem to get away with or the, the, the wealth and things they enjoy, but that their evil things they've done have gotten them. Don't envy them because envy will corrupt your soul. And fear and anxiety will strangle your soul. So for good reason, they say, don't do these things. Well, as we all know, these are easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. So how can we fret not? Well, instead of stressing over evil, trust yourself to God. And first, remember that these evildoers are temporary. The verse says they will, they will wither and fade away. Their strength and glory will become hollow and faded. It will come. So no matter how bad it seems, the evil seems right now, today, remember that that evil and those evildoers are temporary. And then verses 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Instead of stressing over evil, trust that God will judge the wicked and that he will right all wrongs. Trust that he will take care of you. And this relieves your heart of two burdens. You don't have to obsess over the evils that you cannot prevent. And you don't bear the responsibility for the whole world. And that's a good burden. Those are good burdens to get off your heart. Instead, trust God's will, God's wisdom, God's power. He is big enough for these things. So trust God and do good. Trusting God doesn't excuse us from doing good. Trusting God frees us to do good. And when we are trusting God, then the good we do doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to solve a global problem. You can just ask the simple question, is this good to do? And so just fix, you know, look around you and do the good that is in front of you. So fix a problem. Solve a, solve a problem for your neighbor or for a friend. Build something, clean something. <laughs> Be kind to a stranger. There, there is millions of simple good things that can be done if we look. And if you can't personally champion a fight against evil, then encourage those who are championing fights against particular evils. Send them encouragement. Tell them that you appreciate what they're doing, that they are needed, and that, that you are praying for them. So do good. Help, help a neighbor. Speak the truth in love and do good. And as you do these things, it's also good for you. It's good for you in, in your internal battle against anxiety because even though evil is real, so is good. And you can do good. 
And then the verse says, dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. And there's, there's a lot of depth to this simple phrase here because if you look at the land as your home, and especially as your long-term home, then you will treat it different than if you were just passing through. Instead of using it up, using it up, you will improve it. You will cultivate it. You want, you want it to be a place to thrive for a long time. And so you're going to commit yourself to it because you have to live there. And as you do so, you will also cultivate faithfulness. It says, befriend faithfulness, or, or some verses, cultivate faithfulness. So as you do this, you will become faithful in doing good all the time. And that kind of faithfulness is good for you, and it's good for those around you. It's good for your community. Faithfully showing up, working on, on just steady, ongoing improvements. This makes the land, the community, a place that is that where you can thrive and others can thrive. And it also strengthens your heart to just, just do concrete, tangible good and see it improve. Because on the other hand, you know, when you are fearful, when you're responding to crisis, it's hard to be faithful. It's hard to plan to thrive when you are responding to crisis. And, there, when, and when there are real crises, then we should, you know, prepare, respond, and be in that. But we shouldn't borrow trouble that's not here yet. And some of us can, can spend so much time worrying about worst-case, you know, possible scenarios that we don't imagine what thriving looks like. And, uh, and I struggle with this because the Boy Scout in me takes the, the, the be-prepared just a little too far. <laughs> and there's part of my mind that just that imagines the most ludicrous worst-case scenarios possible, all in the name of, well, I've got to be prepared for it. And, and now when I was a damage control assistant in the Navy on a Navy warship, that was a good attitude to have because that was my responsibility. I had to imagine, okay, what is, I had to imagine any possible way that a fire or a flood could happen anywhere in the ship and have a plan to save the ship. So imagining worst case scenarios was, was a great attitude to have in that role. But it's a horrible way to live your life. You can't, you can't live your life that way. You have to turn it off at some point. Now, there is an appropriate place for protecting what is good from danger and evil. But to use an illustration here, if you, if you spend all your time building a garden or building a wall around the garden and you never plan how to cultivate that garden, you will end up with a wall around a dead garden. That, that speaks for itself. <laughs> so fretting over evil, constantly being overcome by worry about evil steals from your life. But being faithful where you are makes things better. And trusting God frees you to be faithful continually where you are. So when we trust God, we can be faithful in the little things right where we are. So verse 3, just loads of, of wisdom packed into these simple verses here. And then verse 4 speaks to the desires in your heart. Delight yourself 
in the Lord. And to delight in something is to be pleased with it, to be satisfied with it, to, to get joy from it. And naturally, if, if we are pleased with something, we will return to it to enjoy it again. And as we enjoy it, we will, we will study it. And therefore, we will know it. And, as we, and we will pick out and each detail of the thing we enjoy becomes a new delight. But the things we delight in also shape up, shape us. They shape your heart because as you, as, you as you delight in it and enjoy it and study it and, and you learn what you appreciate about it, that influences what you appreciate about other things. So the things you, you dwell on and you continually delight in shape you and, and shape what you enjoy about other things. And these verses instruct us Delight in the Lord. Enjoy Him. Get to know Him. Take pleasure in who He is. And as you delight in Him, then He will start to change your heart. As you appreciate what He is and what is good about Him, that will influence what you appreciate about other things. It will change what you desire and what you delight in. And as you are one mind with God, then you will stop seeking things that are contrary to him. And likewise, if you are one mind with God, he will not refuse you anything you desire because there's nothing between you that would be contrary. So if you delight in God, then he will give you the desires of your heart. And there, this assurance calms much of our anxiety. It, it calms that anxiety, that worry that you are missing out on something. Because no, no, God will take care of you as you delight in Him. He will give you the desires of your heart. And now verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. So we see this kind of naturally follows from what we've already covered. If you, if you trust in God and you delight in God, then naturally you will commit yourself to him. And this is done in many ways. It's done in prayer, seeking God's guidance, telling him of your troubles, giving over to him the responsibility for the outcomes of your troubles. And it's done also by studying his word, getting to know his will and his ways. And it's done by committing to living your life God's way. And each of these is an act of trust. It's trust in God that his, that his will is motivated by love for you and a desire for your well-being. And it's a trust in his wisdom that it is perfect. And it's a trust that he is able to do all that he wills. And scripture assures you with this promise, God will act. How will he act? Well, it says he will bring forth your righteousness as the light. And so in, the, in this case, he's speaking about evil done against you. And, and maybe you were, you were slandered, 
hated or rejected, but your, your righteous character was misjudged. And God says he will, he will show that, he will show you in its true light. And, and light dispels darkness. You shine a light in a, in a dark room, the darkness is gone. And likewise, truth dispels lies. God says he will clear your name. He will show you as righteous. He will bring forth your justice as the noonday. Noonday here represents the clearest light because at that time of day, <clears throat> at least closer to the equator, not the northern hemisphere, <laughs> the shadows are the smallest. And so things are seen clearest for what they are. So instead of stressing over evil, entrust yourself to God. Trust him and you will do good. Delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit yourself to him and he will vindicate you. No matter what evil may trouble you, God has you in his hands and he will take care of you. And the psalm also teaches us, instead of acting in anger, wait for the Lord to judge. Instead of acting in anger, wait for the Lord to judge. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Be still before God. This means to, to resign yourself to his care. It just, you don't need to be desperately trying anything and everything. You can be still. Your hope is in God. You can be still because you have learned to trust his love and his wisdom. You delight in his goodness. His presence calms you. And so you can let go of, of desperation and you can wait for his guidance. And this is not always easy, especially when you see people out there in the world carrying out evil plans and prospering from them. And then when we see this, our outrage, just it's easy for it just to boil out and cry out to God. And he, he absolutely wants those prayers and those cries. Tell him, you know, God, did you, did you see what they did? It's so wrong. It's so deceitful. It's so harmful and hurtful. And they're parading around all smug. When will it stop? And this is especially when we need to wait upon God. Now, it's true, we need to stand up against evil, but if we do it in our own human wrath, we will do something stupid or wrong. <clears throat> Verses 8 and 9. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Man's wrath is vengeful destruction out of control. So this verse is about protecting your soul from that kind of evil. Because when your soul is, is just boiling over with anxiety or with outrage, this leads to evil. And evil can describe many things. It can describe being corrupted, shattered, or broken. 
gone bad, either, either physically, like, like food spoiling gone bad, or morally, morals corrupted. They can describe being afflicted or damaged or, or something that brings tragedy and, and more. Um, evil covers a lot there. And so the evil that comes from fretting, from being overcome by your anxiety and outrage, I'm not saying all of us will experience some, some anxiety and outrage. This is not about the existence of it. It's about being overcome by it. If you are overcome by your anxiety and outrage, this corrupts your soul. It, may, it, makes you, you, it means being so blinded by wrath that you commit evil. And there are evildoers out there who are hoping to cause this very thing. They use politics and division and crisis to stir up others, <clears throat> to stir up ordinary people until we are so outraged that they will join the evildoers in stupid and destructive things. And we've seen plenty of destructive stupidity in the last recent years. And I guess I would say, don't join them. <laughs> Not that I'm worried about any of you, but I'm but I preach you what it says. <laughs> don't, don't, those who are overcome in their wrath, in their outrage so that it becomes wrath and stupid destruction, don't join them. Wait patiently for the Lord. God will give final judgment. The wicked will be cut off and never rise again. But those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. Verses 10 and 11. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. God's judgment will cut off the wicked from the world. You will look for the wicked person and you won't be able to find him. But the meek shall inherit the earth. And as we heard earlier, meekness describes someone who is teachable and able to be led. The meek person trusts God, delights in Him, commits himself to Him, is calm when His guiding hand is present. He waits on the Lord's guidance and timing. And there's a lot of marvelous grace in this promise. The meek shall inherit the land. Not the strong and the mighty, not the perfect, the meek. And the land here refers to the promised land, the special place meant for God's people to thrive in. The meek shall inherit it. They shall belong to this land and this land to them. They will delight themselves in abundant peace. So there will be everything needed for life and health and more than, we, more than is needed for everyone. But the wicked will not have this. Those who used evil to accumulate wealth and power will end up with nothing. Instead, everything they have sought will be enjoyed by the meek. And all this sounds very good, but it is easier said than done because we are stubborn <laughs> and we're not 
don't always feel meek. <laughs> so how can you keep your soul, your spirit to be healthy and satisfied and not corrupted by the evil around you? How can you trust God and delight in Him in this life? How can you receive God's peace for you? How can you inherit the promised land? God does this for you in Jesus Christ. Because when we look at Jesus and His life and all He did in, the, in this described in the Bible, Jesus is the meek one, the perfectly meek one who committed himself completely to God the Father. Jesus is the incorruptible righteousness of God. Jesus suffered but did not return evil for evil. He overcame evil by suffering it and trusting, still trusting God in it. And we find this, this best summarized in the epistle of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 22 through 25. Speaking of Jesus, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were strained like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls and jesus last words on the cross before his death were father into your hands i commit my spirit. Jesus trusted God, delighted in God, and committed himself to God right to his last breath. Jesus was falsely accused and condemned for your sake. But just as Psalm 37 says, God made his righteousness shine as the noonday. And God did this by raising him from, to dead, from the dead. God showed that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And when you trust him as your Savior and Lord, then he will vindicate you. And his righteousness, his incorruptible righteousness will be your righteousness. And this salvation in Jesus helps our hearts then in two ways here. First, Jesus cleanses your soul from sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses your soul from sin, from evil, from the evil you carry and from the evil inflicted upon you. And Jesus offers this cleansing to all, even to those who sought to prosper from evil can be cleansed when they repent of their sins and confess and believe that Jesus is their Savior. And secondly, those, who, those whom Christ saves also receive His incorruptible Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And 1 John 4, 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And last, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So through salvation in Jesus Christ, His Spirit is in you so that you may become like Him. He is the incorruptible one who overcame evil. He was not overcome by evil. He overcame evil with good. And by His Spirit, you can trust in God. You can delight yourself in God. You can commit your life to God. And His Spirit also guards our hearts against the evils in this world so that we are not overcome by anxiety or outrage or wrath. His Spirit guides you so that you understand God's Word and His will so that you will know how to respond to the evils in this world and how to live godly. And His Spirit also reassures you that there is coming a day when God will make everything right. The wicked will be cut off and the meek will inherit the earth. Romans 2, 6 through 8 says, God will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So you can, you can give up your wrath and fury because God promises there will be a day that for the evildoers there will be wrath and fury. God will bring their justice. For those who call upon Jesus to save them, there will be eternal life. This is our assurance. God will make all things right. And by his grace and mercy, we are not overcome but instead the meek will inherit eternal life. Amen. Praise be to God. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us that gives us hope, that gives us confidence to trust in you and trust in your, your will and your wisdom and your power to bring justice, to make all things right in your perfect timing. Thank you for the gift of your Son who saves us from our sins and gives us his spirit, so that we are not overcome by anxiety and outrage and wrath and evil. That in him we can overcome evil with good. May you strengthen us by your word and spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.